Good morning, good morning. Uh, I hope our live stream is up and going. Awesome. We've, we, over the last few weeks, we've tried this new thing. It's this new technology called live stream. So uh, it's new to us, okay? So it's like buying a car that's 20 years old. It, you know, it's new to you, okay? Just remember that, okay? But we, uh, we've had a great week this week. Um, we went and did uh, Food Fund and Sun Part Due with the Gullion Edition. Uh, my, my wife's family, we had, the, we had the six or the five or the four and the, the two-year-old. Um, so, so Ethan and Noah, they, they were everywhere. It's starting to prepare me for grandchildren, I, I guess. <laughs> You know, because my 20-year-old's about to get married, and my 16-year-old, you know, I know that I'll get a grandkid sometime after she gets married in October, praise God. But, you know, my my whole week was spent with these little monkeys just all over me. And so we went to the pool, and they're on me. Uh, you know, they're they're playing with my son Caleb. It was, it was phenomenal. We had a great time. I ate way too much. So, but, you know... I hope y'all had a good week, too. Um, I got to rest up, and I got to think about some things this week from our past week's, you know, faith discussion. You know, we had, we had a lady that got saved last week, and it, I was really praising God for that because since we've started the church, I've mainly had Christians that have come to the church. And it's amazing when you have somebody who's not a Christian that comes to the church and the word of God works on them and they completely have a, a transformation right there in front of your eyes. It was so, so amazing. So, you know, this, this morning I'm going to talk about faith unto salvation because, you know, we have to have faith. We have to have faith to believe. We have to have faith in order to do the things that God has called us to do. We have to have faith in his promises. But you know what? We also have to have faith unto salvation. And you know, the thing is, is that salvation is not a one-time deal. You may go, Dusty, well, I thought salvation was a one-time deal. Well, no, no, you got saved one time, but you're constantly renewing your mind. You're constantly having to to propagate God's word into your heart. And we're going to see some of that today. But I want you to be encouraged this morning that as you're going through your life, and you know what? You get saved one time, and you have salvation that comes to you every single day. You know, I look at it from my perspective that every single day I get to believe God again. I get to believe God again. You know, his promises are yes and amen. Well, he just doesn't say yes to us one time. He says yes every single day. Every day when you wake up and you say to yourself, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do it today, Lord. He goes, yes, yes, you can. You will do it today. You're going to get up and you're going to be the best version of you that you can be. And I'm going to give you the super to your natural. You know that every time that I have said yes to God, he's caused amazing things to happen in my life. Every time I've said, no, God, I don't feel good today. You know that those days are the days that I always remember that I never want to have another day like that day. So faith unto salvation. What does that mean? We're about to get into it. 
So this is our scripture for the series that I've been doing. Everybody probably has seen this one. Deuteronomy 13, 19. It says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. That doesn't mean that he's doing something against you. It just means that heaven and earth are watching you. Heaven and earth are sitting around looking at Betty and Vicky and everybody else in here and me and going, what you going to choose today? And it says, that I have set before you life and death. So, okay, there's two different things that are set before you. And it says, blessing and cursing, therefore, choose life. Wow, that's pretty awesome when God tells you the answer. You could have chose death, but he's saying choose life. And there's three reasons why we do this. And verse 20 tells us about this. And it's that we love and be loved by God. And it's that we have relationship with God and you actually can hear his voice because it says here in verse 20 that you may love the Lord your God because he loved you first, that you may also obey his voice. That means I am expecting to hear from him. I'm going to have a relationship that's actually a two-way conversation. How many people just rapid fire God in their prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to tell you about everything that's happened to me today. Amen. Well, you know what? That's not a real good relationship. A good relationship is one where I have a conversation. That's kind of like the relationship that me and my wife have. Sometimes I've got to slow down. Sometimes she's got to slow down, right? I want to tell you about everything that happened in my day. I want to tell you about the good things and the bad things. You know, I love my daughter. I know she's in the back. But my daughter, when she comes in, she unloads. In fact, I might need to talk to Micah about that. But anyway, she tells you about her day. Like, she gives you the, the in-depth details. And she works for a dermatology office. You find out that she saw somebody's skull. You found out that she saw somebody's muscle group. You found out everything that you can find out. Okay? Do you know that after she's done, then we have a conversation? Do you know that that's the way it is with us and God? We're supposed to have a conversation with him. And sometimes that means that we need to listen twice as much as we speak. There's a certain reason why we have two ears and one mouth. Is that we're supposed to be listening twice as much as we're speaking. God knows your problem before you even spoke it. God knew your problem before you even had the problem. You know, I think most of the time we need to be thanking him for his promises and not talking to him about our problems. You know, if we spent more time talking about our promises rather than our problems, then we wouldn't focus so much on the problem. We would be focusing on the promise. You know, it's like I, I've been saying this whole time. You know, I got Brock over here. If I take something and I throw this water bottle at Brock, ugh, and I hit Brock with the water bottle, he decides he's not going to catch it. It just hits him right in the head. Well, you know what? He didn't receive. You know, I think that's the way it is a lot of times. I think God is giving us things, giving us opportunities, and it hits us in the head and falls down. You know, I'm going to give you a big praise God this week. You know, my wife, she was, she was actually, you know, secretly her and God talking was talking about how she wanted to have a full-time job 
but she wanted a certain type of job. And she wanted, Lord, I, I'm tired of just staying at home. And so she'd been praying about this. Well, guess what? She wasn't talking to me about it. She was talking to God. And God was communing with her about this. Well, the other day, she had a friend of hers that told her, hey, I've got, there's an opportunity that opened up at this school. And so she applied. And, you know, it's exactly the grade that she wanted. They aren't making her do the extracurricular activities. It's more money than we, we thought it was going to be because of the type of school it was. Do you know that that was an opportunity that two or three weeks before she wouldn't have taken? The opportunity would have hit her in the head and fallen down. You know, Psalms 37.4 says that if we delight ourselves, if that word delight means to be pliable. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he shall give us the desires of our heart. It's him that's putting the desires in our heart. You know, he sees our bodies. He sees our minds. He sees where we're at every single time. You know what? Our flesh sometimes says, I don't want to do that. You know, God still works with us even though we say sometimes, Lord, I don't want to do that. But do you know that when we allow him to commune with us, then we end up choosing life opportunities come to us. It's, it's amazing how many opportunities are just out there that we won't choose if we don't have our mind right, if we're not ready to receive. And it says here, and that you may cling to him. That means have trust in him. I got faith in what God is going to do for me. You know that choosing life brings those three things. Choosing life brings us to a place to where we can say, I love you, Lord, and you love me. And I have a relationship with you, and I trust that you've got the best plan for my life. But we're going to kind of, that, that's, the, that's the main scripture. That's where we're at in our Choose Life series. But I want to talk to you today about faith unto salvation. Because last week we talked about faith. We talked about how, how that, that faith comes out of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that now bideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That word greatest is the elder. It means it was first. It's foundational. You know, this building is built on a foundation. The AC unit's not working in the other side of the building. Does that mean that the building is bad? No. It just means we have a bad AC unit. The foundation's great. The bones are good. But do you know that in everything in our life, if we don't have the foundation of love, when something goes wrong in our life, the first thing we do is we start saying, well, I'm not loved. You know, I could have walked in here this morning. You know, Larry and I, our, our guest, was talking about it, and he made the comment, you know, about being from uh, New Orleans. You know, we were talking about the humidity I walked in here and it hit me in the face. I was like, whoa, this is not right. You know, I could have gotten down in the dumps. Oh, it's the second time I've had to deal with this. Well, you know, there are people that that would ruin their day. You know, 10, 15 years ago, that would have ruined my day. <laughs> she, she amen that. <laughs> Heather's known me for a long time. 25 years we've been married. And guess what? I'm sitting there going, that, that unit just makes me upset. 
I'd be sitting there thinking about it the whole time. I wouldn't be able to have done praise and worship or, or have gotten my mind together to do this sermon. That was just the way I was. But do you know that every single day I renew my mind? Every single day I bring myself back to a place of saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what my circumstance is. What does your promise say? Foundationally, love is, is holding me up. It's undergirding me. And then hope, which is the second part of that, it's, it's a fervent expectation. I have an expectation that what God said he's going to do, it's going to come to pass. Is the AC unit going to go out sometimes? Absolutely. Are we going to have the ambulance come through and it's probably going to be on the thing and people will think, well, I live in a, a war zone? Yes. The train may come by here in just a minute and shake the whole building. Do you know that all of those things have nothing to do with choosing life? None of it. Your life is more than amalgamation of all of the bad things that happen to you. Man, that should have been an amen moment right there. Amen, because if, if you look at all the bad things that happen in your life and you focus on the bad, that's what you're going to get. Because that's all you're going to see. But guess what's going to happen if you focus on his promises? That's all you're going to see. And I've started over time to start looking at the promise more than I looked at my problem. So Romans 1, 16 and 17 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to tell you something. You can't live any other way but from faith to faith. You know, even though we have the measure of faith, you know, if it's the size of a mustard seed and you use that faith, well, you, you might have a mountain worth of doubt. And that overshadows your seed. So you have to go out there and say, I got to climb that mountain one step at a time. I got to do things one thing at a time. I got to believe God for the things he's telling me to believe for one step at a time you may be thinking well dusty that that makes sense i've got to do one thing at a time i can't you know use all the other cliches out there like eat an elephant all at one time it takes one bite right one bite after one bite you can finally get through the elephant well you know what faith is a little bit like that too i have to have a win I have to have another win, and I have to have another win. And faith by faith by faith by faith, I'm going to walk through this every single day. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why some people go, all oh, that stuff doesn't work, is that we try to have faith in something amazing. The first day that we hear about faith. How many people, the first day that you hear about faith, you go, I'm going to believe for something big from God. Well, if you can't believe to even be able to pay a bill or to, to even love on people, amen, come on. If I can't even love on somebody because I have strife with them, then 
your faith is not going to go very far because that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is telling us. It's telling us that I can have all the faith that you possibly could want. But if I don't have love, I'm just a tinkling symbol. I'm a banging gong. You know, every single time in my life that I've had that I've just said, I'm just going to faith this out. I'm just going to believe in his promises. I'm just going to go through it. You know what? Sometimes I can just become hard. Get out of my way. I'm believing God. You know what? That's not the way we should be living our Christian life. Our Christian life should be, I love and I have faith. In fact, I should have love, expectation, and then faith. In every situation. You know, I'll kind of give you an example. There was a guy I worked with and he was, and for, you know, I know we've got one visitor here today. I, I, every day I get up, Monday through Friday, I'm a cybersecurity engineer for the power company. So this is by far not my the job that makes me any money. So... But I want you to know that I deal with people every single day, every day, and we deal with some really bad things every single day. There are people who are trying to hack the power company. There's people who are trying to put more and more regulations on the power company. And so I spend most of my time dealing with people about paperwork or about some incident that happened. You know, there was a guy that worked with me, and he was, me and him were like oil and water. And I don't know what I was and what he was, but whatever floated to the top was not good, okay? So we would not mix on anything. You know, and, and the thing is, I'd become so jaded in that, in that respect. Like, every time I dealt with him, I was just like, oh, I hate dealing with this guy. I hate dealing with him. He's just going to... He's going to say just bad things about me or he's going to have another idea that I'm not going to have or, or he's going to try to do something against my idealisms. And, you know, one of the things that, that happened during that time that I worked with him for a little over 10 years was that me and him grew further and further and further and further apart. And you know what was so crazy was he, he went through a divorce and he went through all these different things in his life. And, you know, I didn't know about him. I didn't have any clue because I was separating myself from him. And you know what? When it came time where there was an issue in his life, and the Lord had me go talk to him and go pray for him. Do you know that it bounced off of him like, like he was rubber? You know why? It's because I had no relationship with him. I didn't have any love with him. So faith was out the door. Expectation wasn't even there. You know, and that person's been moved on. But you know that the Lord actually used that and told me, he said, you have become a tinkling cymbal and a gong to this person. And I was like, all I did was just live my life. He was the one that was doing this to me, Lord. You know, I was decided I was going to give the Lord you know, a little back talk. 
you know, the Lord's really good when you give him back talk because he'll turn right around and he'll go, yeah, but how about that time, how about that time when you decided to do something against him? Whoa, you're starting to highlight all the things that I did, Lord? Yeah. You know that becoming hard and not having the ability to choose life and love and have expectation with people, it creates a barrier. Your faith will not work with that person. Your faith won't work in your situation if you won't give yourself the opportunity to open up to people. I'm telling you, this is important because if you don't have love, then you'll never get to the faith part. His promises won't work in that situation. Now, did they work in other situations? Absolutely. I had great relationships with people. I had great relationships with God. Other areas flourished. But there was actually a point in my, time, in my life where I needed to minister to that guy and I couldn't do it. And it was because of my own stinking thinking. Amen. I know this got really dark and hard real quick. So let me try to build us back up. All right. I'm going to try to turn us. Oh, let's get back over here to what I was going to say. All right. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for, he, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This word salvation is the word soteria. And this word soteria, and I've got the, the Greek over here for it. It says soteria in the Greek is peace, health, prosperity, and righteousness. Now, most people take the word saved and they take the word salvation and they, they combine them together. But they're two different words. One of the words is soteria for salvation. The other one is sozo. In fact, we've got this, this word sozo for saved, and it means to preserve or to make whole. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. But I, I want to focus more on the salvation part of it because I believe that most people that are here in this building and maybe even the people that are watching us live on Facebook, that they, they're saved. But they don't have salvation in every area. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But what, what I've got here is salvation is the first step to choosing life. What does choosing come from? It comes from our mind, our will, and our emotions. See, that's one of the reasons why we have to understand this is that when I go to choose something, I don't choose it out of my, out of my hand. I don't choose it out of my heart. I choose it up here. I spend time thinking about it. I spend time doing research. I spend time trying to understand, and then my will takes me in a direction based upon my emotions and everything else. So we have to watch our emotions. But then we have to make up our mind. And when we make up our mind, we choose. And see, salvation is saying that I have chosen the right path. I chose life in every single situation. You know, if you don't know peace and health and prosperity in your life or in a situation, how about this? How about you're having a problem in your life but you're having great, you know, great victories over on this other parts of your life. And I'll just give you an example. You know, you may be 
financially able to pay your bills, everything's great, that, that's awesome for you. But every single day you wake up and you have depression. Or you have sickness in your body. Do you know that those are the kind of things that you have to sit there and meditate on God's word and his promises for those things? You may go, well, Dusty, how do I do that? Well, 1 Peter 2.24, everybody's going to get sick of this because I always say 1 Peter 2.24 when it comes to the health. But Isaiah 53.4 said that, that, you know, that we were going to be uh, healed and that was looking towards the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes we were healed. That's right. Back at the cross, Jesus took on the stripes. Jesus took on all of those things to give us a promise from the cross onward. That means 2,000 years ago, Jesus did something, and now we have a promise. But Isaiah 53, 4, because people will pull that one, it says that we will be. See, that was a promise that was in the future. That was a promise for us coming to the cross. Now when we go to 1 Peter 2.24, we basically say by his stripes we were healed and if we were something, that means that in present tense form, Miss English teacher, am I right? We are health. You know, I wake up and after I've like cracked my back and I've done everything and I'm like, oh, this is so bad. My hair's all over my head. We were actually talking about that too because of bald heads. I have to take my comb over and Make it look better, you know, get everything going. I got my little yarmulke. People don't think I'm Jewish, right, because I'm really not. But I've got this little spot right back here. It's my yarmulke, you know. But see, that's, that's the thing is that every day I get up and I do something, and I look in the mirror and I say, you are health, Dusty. It's important. It is absolutely important. So if you don't know peace, health, prosperity, or any of the other promises of God, then those are areas that God wants to have salvation for your life. He wants you to renew your mind. He wants you to have the opportunity for you to get those promises all in your mind, your will, and your emotions, and down into your heart. You know, righteousness is a part of this. You know, righteousness is basically just means that I have right standing with God. That me and God are good. I got saved. I got, I got all the things that God gave me through Jesus Christ. And that means that now I'm in right standing. It's like an accounting term. If you ever taken an accounting class, everybody says, you know, oh my God, accounting, we've got to do math now. But do you know that Every time in accounting, they always said to reconcile, to, to make your checkbook, to, to make the budget balance. Okay, well, if my budget needs to balance, then I need to be in good standing. Because if I have a deficit, now it's so much better when you have an overage, right? But when you have a deficit, well, then you're not in right standing. You got to go find some money. Are you going to bounce a check? Do you know that 
God says, hey, I've given you the check and I've made you in right standing with me. That means that I'm, I'm actually writing the checks for you. Every time there's a deficit, I just put more money in your account. That's what Jesus did. Was that by, that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that we became a new creature. It means our spirit man, we're a three-part being. For those that haven't heard my teaching on this, but it's in the Bible. Please go back. <laughs> I know I'm, I can't teach all the things that I need to teach for this, but you can go back and listen to the podcast. We have our spirit, soul, and body um, teaching on there. But our spirit man died when Adam ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know that when that happened, we got to now say, well, I'm either going to believe or not believe something is good or evil. I'm telling you, every single day we have people that make selfish decisions. And they'll say, oh, well, that's good for me, but it's probably going to be bad for them because it's the easiest thing. Well, that's exactly what Adam did. That's what Eve did, is they ate of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and now they got to decide what was good and what was evil. What was the first thing that Eve said when she saw the fruit? God said it was bad, but Eve said, hey, it looks good for food. You know, eating of the fruit wasn't the problem. It was the desire in her heart when she said, yep, that's when I'm going to do it. That was when it happened. The fruit itself was I no longer believe God anymore. Whether it was a pomegranate or it was a pear or it was an apple, it doesn't matter. If God said that chair right there is no good for you, believe me. And you said, I'm going to go sit in that chair. You know, Andrew Womack, a guy that he um, started the Bible college I went to, he, Karis uh, <laughs> Bible College, he basically said that he did an experiment with his kids. And he went, and he, there was all these kids, there was five kids that was at his house, and he said, he said there was this flower that it was like a little, you know, like a daisy or something that had popped up in the middle of the yard. And the kids were outside and they were playing. They had no clue about the daisy, didn't care about it, nothing. Said He walked out there and he said, hey, kids, I don't care what you do the rest of the day, but you're not going to spit on that flower. He goes... And he turns around and says, y'all have fun. Closes the door and he goes and looks out the window. You know what happened? Automatically the kids went over there and spit on the flower. <laughs> you know why? Because they wanted to know what was going to happen. You know, it's, it's inherent into us that our will always tries to test some boundary. There's always a boundary that we have to want to test. And see, that was the thing was if they had just believed God, if they had just believed, they wouldn't have sinned. Do you know that that's one of the reasons why he, he took the same exact mindset when he went to Jesus and he said, if I will put all of the sins of the world on Jesus Christ and if you just believe upon him, then now all of your sins are forgiven. Whoa. 
He didn't say you couldn't do something. Now he says you got to go do something. I got to go have faith in Jesus in order to have my sins forgiven me. You know, that's one of the things that I, I believe is so amazing about God's word is when we got completely born again, that our spirit, soul, and body, our spirit man got completely saved. In fact, first uh, Ephesians 1 13 says um, that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That basically means that he remade us and he vacuum packed our spirit. So now you're saved. You don't have to worry about you and God, but now you got to have salvation for this up here. How many people says, I don't believe you, Dusty. I want some challengers. How many people say, I don't believe you because I'm about to give it to you. Both barrels, all right? Because we're going to talk about why God showed up in a way that he did and why Paul actually wrote some stuff. It's amazing. If you tie these things together, you start seeing that God not only saved our spirit, but he also wants to save our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. How many people have heard of the whole armor of God, right? This is very amazing the way that this thing was put together and you think well man Paul is just he he was just smart Paul was just a smart guy well, I'm going to show you here in a minute that Paul had nothing to do with this Paul actually was going back to the word in order to get this concept but in Ephesians 6 11, it says put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against uh, the the evil and the wiles of the devil and his schemes. So the helmet of salvation, why would you think that you would put a helmet on your head? Because you're protecting your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, salvation is the way that we protect our mind, will, and emotions. Salvation is how we renew our, our mind every single day. Romans 12, 1 and 2 it says that we, were, we actually renew our mind by the word of God so that we can be transformed by that renewing. See, salvation is not this thing where it's like, oh, I got saved. No, God saved you completely. When you said Jesus, all you had to do was just say Jesus and believe, right? That's what Romans 10 tells us. But you know what? We still have our stinking thinking up here. How many people, how many people, when you got saved, you still wanted to do bad stuff? I know I did. I was really wanting to do some bad stuff after I got saved. You know that after I got saved, it was like the word of God kept telling me, hey, you don't need to do that anymore. The Holy Spirit would go, you don't need to do that anymore. And then I would start being renewed in my mind my will and my emotions. So I no longer was just dragged around by my own lust and desires. Do you know that, that the helmet of salvation here by putting the whole armor of God on gives you that ability to say, I can change my mind. I can change it by the word of God. The Holy Spirit can change it. But see, our mind has to be completely renewed. It has to be protected 
and have salvation change us. I, I get changed every day, guys. See, I'm not getting reborn again every single day when I renew my mind. And see, I think that's the problem that we have. I don't know about in churches y'all have been in, but I've been in churches where I think this is the, the two salvations or the two saved mindset. And there's people that will talk about being backslid and, and oh, well, you've lost your salvation if you've committed one sin. No. God did away with that with one rebirth. Your spirit man has been as good as it can be. I mean, you're connected to God now. In fact, in my spirit, soul, and body, I actually do this as a bubble level. Because the little bubble in my bubble level is my mind, will, and emotions. And whatever I focus on, that's where my mind, will, and emotions are going to go to. But when I got born again, it tethered me to God. I have a chain. The Spirit of God that's on the inside of me that's been recreated. That thing is connected directly to God. In fact... Most people go, well, Dusty, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Well, Luke 17, the disciples asked him about the kingdom of God. And Jesus turns around and tells, his, tells the disciples and the Pharisees that was sitting there that he said that this, the kingdom of God is not without. It's not something that I look for because it's within. He said the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. When you got saved and born again, the Spirit of God was recreated like a new creature on the inside of you. But your mind was still the same old stinking thinking. And every single day for the last probably 30 years of my life, I have had to change my mind. See, the salvation of the mind is an everyday thing. I constantly change my mind. You know, sometimes I have things that happen to me. There's circumstances that happen in my life. And you know what happens? I, the first thing that comes to me is, well, I'm just never going to make it. And you know what? The Word of God comes back to me and says, no, you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Well, I don't have money, Lord. And then he takes me a few verses up in Philippians chapter 4 and says, I will supply all of your needs according to, your riches and, according to his riches and glory. Do you know that Every single thing that we have a circumstance for, the Word tells us. The Holy Spirit actually in John 15 tells us that He will come to teach us all of those things. I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for us to read our Bible all the way through. It's important because there are some times that I'll get a word out of like Ezekiel. And I'll have to go look it up because I don't know exactly where it's at. But because I've read Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit takes me back to Ezekiel. There's plenty of things that God says, hey, I've put all throughout my word. But you need to be able to know how to get to it. You've got to have the mind, will, and emotions changed. You know that our breastplate of righteousness, our heart has been made right. We're in right standing with God. So God has put righteousness on, on our whole chest because our heart, our belief system is protected by righteousness. The shield of faith. Hey, 
That's the one. When the fiery darts of the devil come at us, the shield of faith is there. It says, no, I'm not going to believe in the circumstance. I'm going to believe in your word. I'm going to believe in what you said. I'm going to stand with you, Father. Oh, man, this, one's, this one right here, y'all, y'all just hang with me for a second because every time I've taught this, people go, whoa. Lloyd, the gird, lo, your loins girded with truth. Do you know why truth is supposed to be girded around your loins? Yes, yes, we're about to have a sex talk, okay? Do you know that, do you know that the only thing that a man can produce in order to reproduce is seed. Sperm. Oh, I said sperm in church. Everybody goes, whoo, i got to run out of here now. No, but this is the truth. This was an actual idealism about we have to protect our seed, the things that come out of our mouth, the words that we speak, the way that we, that we react. And it's a way of showing us that this is the seed that we bear. Now, I know that, that you're sitting there going, Dusty, I don't know if I understand that. I'm going to rewind. I'm going to say it again. See, we have to, whatever produces seed in our life, which is what we say, it's, it's how we say it, it's the words we speak, they are a, they're seeds that we plant. Where do we plant them? We plant them in our heart. We plant them in our mind. But the only thing that, that, that shows us specifically of the seed that man can plant in a physical form was our loins. See, what we have to understand is, is that in everything that we do in our life, we either can tear down our crop or we can build it up. You know, I have two kids that, that came from my loins. Ooh, that's, that's, you know, every time I say stuff like this, I kind of feel like people are going, okay, Dusty, let's get off of this really quickly, okay? But you have to understand that God is not, I mean, God's not bothered by biology. What God is bothered by is when we just throw our seed out there and we don't care. I got two kids. What if I didn't parent them? See, I have to teach them truth. I have to influence them in ways that are going to create truth in their lives. Well, see, that was a that was an a, sort of an, a mindset that when Paul put this down, he wanted people to see it and go, "I understand that the things that I plant in life, that I have to plant them in truth, because I can plant things that are in deception." I mean, hey, I can go and take a, a corn seed and I can go put that in the ground, but I can go and put a thistle right beside it. And it can grow up right side by side and it can choke it out. We have to have truth. We have to have the right seeds that we're putting out into our world. It's one of the reasons why this is so important for us to understand is because if we don't correlate the idea that when I create a child that I want them to have the best life, God's trying to do the exact same thing with us. God wants us to have a seed producing 
farm that comes out of our mouth where we're not speaking doubt and unbelief, but we're speaking his promises every single day. They're as important as if you just had a kid. If you got pregnant, you had a kid, and you're raising that kid, and then 20 years later, they're about to get married. I can't go put into her any more than I can now. In fact, I listen to her talk, and I go, I can be here for her, but if I didn't put truth into her when she was born and when she was one and two and three and four and five years old, then when she's 20, truth's not going to help now. Not unless she decides it because she now produces her own seed. She's old enough to do that. She's beyond the age of accountability. I no longer get to, to dictate what goes on in her life. You know, the same thing with us. Sometimes we plant seeds in the ground and those things just go everywhere. And some of them are bad. And it's because we didn't tend to our garden when we were supposed to. The sword of the Spirit, God's Word. It's like a two-edged sword. It goes out and it pierces between the, the joint and the marrow. Do you know that the thing that creates red blood cells in your body is, is your marrow? You know that in your bones is what actually produces all the things that you need in your bloodstream in order to be able to function to where you can fight off diseases and you can do all the things that are needed to be done. The Word of God gives life like blood gives life unto your body. See, the word of God pierces and goes through and says, I'm going to root out all the bad stuff and I'm going to give life to the good stuff. Feed shodden with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've already said this before. We, our feet, when we walk into a bad situation, we're peace in that situation. I've told the stories before of going into conference rooms and people are yelling and screaming and hollering at each other and I walk in and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes. Do you know that that's what our job is as Christians are to do? Is we walk in the middle of the situation and we create peace. We are peace givers. So the full armor of God needs to be seen for what it is. It's the way that we're supposed to see ourselves. We're supposed to know that this helmet of salvation, that it is, that it is truth that is being put in my mind, will, and emotions. So the helmet of salvation is just like our intercessor, Jesus. Y'all th- probably are thinking, well, Paul was such a smart guy. Remember I told you Paul was such a smart guy? He came up with this whole armor of God. Man, he was a great guy. Well, Paul didn't know anything about this. Isaiah is the one that actually got this from God himself. Because it says in verse 16 of Isaiah 59, it says, He saw, meaning God, that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. So essentially, there was nobody who actually could intercede for man's sin. They could intercede for man's plight. And it says, therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. In his own righteousness, it sustained him. So this is talking about Jesus There was no intercessor for people. We needed an intercessor. 
But we needed an intercessor that could actually stand up and they didn't have to lean on someone else. We needed an intercessor that was so righteous in himself and he was so much like God, because he was, that now he was able to intercede for others. And it says here in verse 17, for he put his righteousness as a breastplate. Uh-oh, starting to sound like this whole thing that Paul, you know, I think Paul went and got the copyright for it, right? It was his right to copy because it was in the Old Testament. But it says, for he put his righteousness as a breastplate and his helmet of salvation on his head. Wait a minute. I thought Paul wrote all that. No, no, no. Jesus was the man. Jesus was the intercessor. Jesus was the one that we look to and say, that man had the full armor of God on him. In every single way, he was untouchable. Didn't matter what they brought against him. Jesus, they would come and they would try to stone him or push him off a cliff. And Jesus would just go, you boys ready to go? And they'd walk right through the middle of them. You know that God's calling us when people are screaming and hollering and giving us the, the lip service. We just walk right through the middle of them. See, we put on the full armor of God and we have our mind, will, and emotions completely and totally changed. It doesn't matter what people say about us. It doesn't matter what the circumstances says. We are going to win. We're going to go through the midst of those that are trying to stone you. You know, I've seen this happen over and over and over in my life. I should have lost my job. I should have lost everything over and over and over in my life. And you know what? Every single time it gets bad, I just decided to just believe God. What does your word say, Lord? Now, this is the great part. How about a build-up moment, okay? It says, he put on the garments of vengeance. That means that he avenges us. He, he created the ability for us to, to have that avenger on the inside of us. How many people seen the Avengers, right? You know, you go out there and you got Iron Man and you got the Hulk and you got all these people. Well, that, that kind of power is on the inside of you. The power that avenges you lives on the inside of you. Jesus created that to intercede into every situation in your life. And it says, for, for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. You know, this is one of the great things about our salvation is the fact that he didn't leave us just wanting. He gave us something to put on. We put on the full armor of God just because of who we are in him. You know, it's like a name. My last name's Cornelius. Do you know that, that it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what goes on in life, I'm still going to be a Cornelius. Even if I went and changed my name, went down to Shelby County down here and changed my name, I'd still be from the bloodline of Jack and Jeannie Cornelius. Biology's going to win. It's going to happen. Do you know that there's something about what we're clothed with? And we're clothed with his righteousness. He put his name on us. He adopted us into the fold. In fact, it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, through 11 it says but let us who are 
who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. You know that our salvation becomes something that is so powerful in the inside of us in all the areas of our life that we go out and we start just edifying other people. You know, I can just edify people now because if I have salvation in my own self, it just comes out of me. The lady at Walgreens, when I'm praying for, it was nothing to pray for her. How many people would say, well, I was scared the bejesus out of me. Well, you know what? At one point in time, it did scare me. It didn't scare me the other day. Because in my heart of hearts, I knew God wanted to do something for that lady and for her mama. You know that that's the beauty of salvation is that once I change my mind about what I think God wants for me to what He actually wants for me, then it becomes a lot easier. You know, you're not in control. I'm just going to be honest with you. You may think you're in control, but something's going to control you. I'd rather have the Word of God control me. Amen. Because, I've, hey, you can go sit at the house and you can go and get on welfare. I've seen this happen to people. You go and you think, oh, I'm in control. No, what if they go cut the welfare check off? I mean, if you don't go to work, I mean, everybody's probably worked in here, Right. You're definitely not in control when you go to work. There's always going to be somebody above you. And you think, well, I own the business. There's a customer. If they all quit coming, guess what happens? You quit getting money. Eventually, you got to go talk to your boss, which is the customer. You know what? I'd rather have the Word of God tell me all of the perfect things about what He wants to do for me. So I'm going to start... I'm going to start wrapping this thing up. We're, we're bringing this in for, for a landing here. But 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, it says, who, it says in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. So essentially in 1 Peter chapter 1, they were, the church was being persecuted. Peter is actually sending this letter out to the church, letting them know, hey, I understand you're being persecuted. I know there's all these things going on in your life. So you can go back and read one through, one through four right there. But essentially it says in verse five, it says, hey, after you've been persecuted and everything, it says, who are kept by the power of God? That means you are through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. These trials, they're going to come. The, the circumstances are going to come. Jesus didn't say, hey, you get saved and you're going to have the perfect life. You're just going to sit on a beach all the time and you're just going to drink a little drink with, a fly, with you know, flowers and, and an umbrella. How many people want to do that when they retire, right? You know, you'll be dead within 18 months. You know, people need things to do. Do you know that your circumstances, they're going to come. 
But it says that you have salvation for that. It means your mind's going to be changed to where that is going to be okay. And it says here, and it says um, in verse 7, it says, That the, the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means that when we are revealed to us about the goodness of God, that it doesn't matter if we have gold, we have all these other things, that the glory of God is going to be so much greater that it's not going to burn up, that it's just going to stay with us, stay with us. It doesn't matter what we have or what we don't have. And it says here in verse 8, it says, Whom, whom having not... Uh, seen you love so basically I, he had not seen him Peter hadn't though now you do you do not see him yet believing you rejoice uh, with the joy inexpressible and full of glory so essentially we don't see Jesus like I mean maybe some of y'all get premonitions and visions and all that kind of stuff of Jesus but I've never actually seen Jesus okay but I believe in him you know why? Because His Word became true in me. The Holy Spirit talks to me. And I see His goodness happening in my life. And it says in verse 9, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The soul is just your psyche. It is your mind, will, and emotions. You can go back and look up these words. They're pretty awesome. Because it shows you that your mind, will, and emotions, that they can be changed in an instant based upon the Word of God, and based upon the things that are going on in your life, they're not going to overtake you. You know how many times in life I've had things that are trying to over, overtake me? I, I mentioned this last week. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, you know what? That's just a shadow. There's actually no valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It means in your life, you're going to be walking along and all of a sudden there's this looming thing. Oh, it's, I can't do something financially. I can't do something because of my health. I can't do something because of my friendships. So it's just but a shadow. It's not death. He says that as we walk, through the valley that is shadowed by death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, this is, this is a direct correlation of when Moses had his rod and his staff. They called it the rod of God because he could throw it down and it would turn into a snake or, or an alligator or whatever, whatever you wanted to, to have happen at that time. But you know that God only did that because he gave Moses, because he said, hey, I'm, I'm afraid, Lord, I don't speak well. But you know what? God said, just, just remember me that I gave you these promises in this stick. It'd be about like if, if God gave me a promise and it was my guitar. See, that was, that was how bad it was back in the old covenant. See, in this new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ, 
He gives us all the promises through Jesus and it's not based upon a stick. It's based upon us believing His Word. It means I can go break a stick. You know, Moses' stick and his staff, they're gone. Nobody's using them. There's not one person that has a promise in those sticks. You know that the goodness of God and the promises of God that have been given to us through Jesus Christ, those things are not tangible. I can't hold them. That means they live on the inside of me and that I pull from them every single day. You know that that I don't need a physical thing anymore to believe in because Jesus Christ himself is living on the inside of me. Do you know that that's why it's so important for us to have the salvation? That where I change my mind. That when something bad happens to me, that I just turn around and I say, no, the word of God says that by his stripes I was healed. That he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know that when I stand upon his word, his words will remain forever. But those sticks and that gold and all the other things that was a promise, those things were but for a short time. And so I want you to understand that you have such a great and more precious promise. Amen, amen. Everybody bow your head. I just I want to take this moment and I want to just ask this one question. Does anybody here not know who Jesus Christ is? And if, if you say, you know what, I've, I've never believed upon Jesus, but you know, I was listening to you, Dusty, and, and the Holy Spirit's been dealing with my heart. And I just want to say, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm just going to raise my hand and just make a new today. If you would just raise your hand if you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Everybody here is saved, which is awesome. Praise God. Now, I'm going to ask, I want everybody to have their, their heads bowed. Are there areas in your life where you're like saying, Lord, I need to change the way I think. That I've not had this salvation for areas in my life. If you would, please just raise your hand because I want you to acknowledge to God that there are areas. I've got my hand raised. There are areas in my life that I need to say, that I need to give to God every single day and say, Lord, these are areas that you need to take care of. Amen. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord, for just showing us the the things that we need to change in our life and and the parts of the word that that we need to meditate on and to speak so that the truth of God, that it just it just flows into these situations and into these areas in our life. Father, I just right now I just pray to you. Just giving you thanks, honor, and glory for this congregation of people, for the people that are listening on live stream. I just pray a blessing on you this week that you go forth and that you just see people and situations change. I thank you that there's going to be opportunities at your jobs and with your families 
and with the, your friends and with people that are in stores that you're going to be going through life and that as you walk that there's just going to be people that's going to say, I need something and you have this salvation and that you're going to be able to impart it unto people. I just pray, dear Lord, send people across their path that they can minister the love of God to that in every situation that they're able to, to have overcoming power that helps others to have overcoming power. And Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nurse our bodies. I ask you to sanctify it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.